Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What happens if we're forced to reopen without fiscal or viral protection? Oh, that's what this market was pondering on a day where the Dow gained 185 points, even though it looked bad at the opening. The S&P advanced 0.64%, and the Nasdaq jumped 1%. A world where the Democrats and Republicans can't make a deal on the next round of stimulus, so states have no choice but to open up, open up everything using masks and social distancing as our only backstops, because otherwise everyone goes broke. You can't just stay shh. Stay, stay shut down without the federal lifeline. Come on, right? The states don't have the money for it. But the logjam in Washington, it's starting to get very personal. You could see that when I interviewed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi this morning. I may be naively asked if we could at least get a deal with the GOP to help out minority-owned businesses in honor of the late, great John Lewis. Here's what Speaker Pelosi shot back. Can we give a huge chunk of money to the people who are disenfranchised, to minorities who who want so badly to stay in business and can't, and to people who who are trying to go to college or have student loans who are minorities, who are the most affected because they had the least chance in our country? That's got to be something both sides can agree to. Perhaps you mistook them for somebody who gives a damn. Hmm. Well, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing you say if the negotiations are making great progress. In theory, this deal should be a no-brainer for both sides. It seems insane for Republicans in Congress to vote against a deal three months before an election out of some newfound concern for the budget deficit. There's an election in three months, for heaven's sake. Senator Mitch McConnell's majority could be in jeopardy. This should be an easy call for them. On the Democratic side, if they block a deal under the principle of go big or go home, we know the president has said he'll issue an executive order to keep paying unemployment benefits. That's clearly unconstitutional. But politically, it puts the Democrats in real bind. What are they going to do? Those unemployment checks are a Democratic priority. You can't come out against them three months before an election because of something intangible like a, a separation of powers or checks, balances, you know, stuff from fifth grade. So I think both sides end up with a compromise, but maybe I'm not being cynical enough. At the end of the day, I'm a stock guy, though, not a politics guy. However, we need to talk about this political stuff now and then because yesterday we had a powerful rally based on hope for a vaccine and the possibility of a deal in Congress. Today, we had no vaccine news, no testing news, no nothing, and the negotiations in Washington seem to be going in the wrong direction. Yet we still rallied. Got to ponder this. It was just a different group that let us hire. Think of this market as a vicious rodeo where each day you have to switch balls. Notice this is not a bull fight, something I deplore, because the bull did nothing to deserve that torture. Trust me. 
No, it's more like the world's most frenetic rodeo. And you need to figure it out if you want to understand the day's winners and losers. Why did Teladoc plummet yesterday and then bounce back today? Why did Etsy get hammered today while Facebook and Apple exploded higher? So you know what we got to do? We got to talk about these bulls and what happens when they burst out of the pen with you on top of them. Bull number one sees a vaccine right around the corner and more help from the government on the way. This nirvana for the market, right? And everything moves up, aside from the COVID stocks. Bull number two has vaccine in its sights, but no stimulus package. That produces strength in the growth stocks, but not much more. Bull number three, no vaccine news, but we get meaningful stimulus bill. That allows small businesses to survive without doing much to help traditional growth stocks. Finally, bull number four, no vaccine news whatsoever and no federal assistance whatsoever. You might think that sounds like a bear. But as we saw today, the Kramer COVID-19 stocks can still lead us higher. Oh, my, about $15 trillion worth. Of course, there's always a twist. Today, the State Department, in its infinite wisdom, lifted all travel bans, which is kind of funny when you remember that most countries now have travel bans on us. I have a business in Italy, and they won't let me go see it because America is one of the worst outbreaks in the world. Wasn't Italy the worst at one time? We make olive oil. I call it Jim's None Better, but only on this show because my wife doesn't watch. Today, we had the fourth kind of bull market. So what happened? First, the big cap growth stocks, they just went crazy. I mean, it was amazing. Facebook's become a lifeline for small businesses trying to transcend their brick-and-mortar prisons. When your city's locked down or you have vigorously enforced social distancing with those things, you know, it's like you can stand here and then like here and then like, like here. You ever see that? You look down. All I do is look down. I'm on the store. These retailers have to find another way to apply their wares. Facebook makes that happen, which is why I think it surged 6% today. Insta shops, fabulousimo. Why not Etsy? Well, you could argue because no stimulus means people won't have enough money to buy stuff on their platform. Honestly, I think Etsy got slammed because it ran up way too much. We're going to find out later. Salesforce word, of course, is the king of the cloud. It makes large enterprise more efficient, Some, especially when it comes to landing and retaining new clients. Their customers don't need a bailout. They'll be fine. Buy the stock. How about Apple? Now, I've been pushing this stock for years. How many times have I said, own it, don't trade it? Now Apple's finally getting the valuation it deserves because Wall Street started starting to realize that it, it's, the, the stock's going up based on the lifetime value of its incredibly loyal customers. Like a consumer packaged goods play. For years, I've said this stock should have a much higher price-to-earnings multiple, more like that, say, Procter & Gamble. That's a classic razor razor blade business. Well, yeah, it's because they own Gillette, which is what Apple's become. No wonder the stock keeps surging. It's a wholesale re-rating, as they say on Wall Street. Microsoft. Rally two. It's another COVID winner that also might be able to buy TikTok. That's the, at least the American business for a song, thanks to the U.S. government. I, I hear the president uh, wants the government to get a cut. That may sound completely ridiculous to you, but honestly, companies that get sweetheart deals from their Uncle Sam really should kick back something to the Treasury. Otherwise, Microsoft's getting a huge handout for free. The president's right. What about Disney? You'd think this would be a vaccine play? Uh-uh. We've learned that Disney's a growth stock with a fabulous streaming business and a huge balance sheet that will allow them to wait out the pandemic. They're making a mint from Disney Plus, while the parks, the movie business, and ESPN can all afford to wait until next year for a vaccine. Now, sometimes you get these weird variations, like I mentioned earlier. The airline stocks rallied today because the State Department lifted its international travel ban. A comical move, given that your American passport isn't worth the paper it's laminated on right now. It's possible the airlines could get some aid from the government, but the rally was all about traveling to places you can't go. 
If you want to own an airline, I always say uh, buy Southwest, but the best performer is going to be American because it has a ton of international routes and because the Robinhood traders adore it. The hotels with overseas properties soared too. Uh, don't overthink it. Talk, go to Air, uh, buy Marriott. That's what you always do. Uh, lifting our travel ban, though, means next to nothing. Oh, yeah, the casinos, this win in LVS. Even a couple of the cruise lines rallied. Norwegian, Royal Caribbean. Despite the fact that most cruises are canceled until November at the earliest, the travel ban was not the problem. doesn't matter. The bottom line. Now you know the rodeo when you see the bull burst out. Remember, you're the rider. As long as you know which bull you're riding, you know which stocks will rally on any given day. Of course, you always sit on the sidelines in cash as so many brilliant hedge fund managers, or at least they play them on TV, say to do so. But so far, bull riding, it pays a lot better. Bill in Delaware. Bill! Hey, boy, uh, Jim, how, how you doing today? Couldn't be a better day. How about you? Well, it could be worse, but it could be better. All right, that's a let good way to look you, at it. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Did you have any problem getting Jimmy Dean sausages for the last few months? Getting what? Jimmy Dean sausage. Jimmy, Jimmy Dean, Dean sausage? sausage? No, I, I eat Beyond Meat sausages, partner. Come on, man. Listen, hey, hey, they taste as good, and when you got a vegan daughter, partner, that's what you serve. What's that? I got a vegan daughter. What am I supposed to give her, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean? I'm hey, trying to keep this family okay. together. You can, buy, you can buy some of that. Doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, Tyson own a big part of them? Yeah, but Tyson's awful. That's the difference. On, you man, see, when you're that. analyzing they- stocks, sometimes what you do is you say, you know what? That company's awful. I mean, I know that's very scientific. I know that sounds a lot like Buffett and Graham and Dodd, but sometimes I get real fancy. Let's go to Scott in California. Scott. What's up, Jimmy Chill? Uh, the chill man is a little fired up. What's happening? All right. Here's the stock's reporting earnings next week that Warren Buffett owns. It's a fintech stock in Brazil. The name of it is Stone Cove. It's basically the square equivalent in Brazil. So fintech as it relates to processing card and e-commerce transactions. So Square Brazil, but a lot more profitable than Square. It's got a 35% profit margin. Yeah, I, it has been a winner. I know. I mean, I like Macabre Libra. Do you know that, the thir- thir- that my grandfather has three brothers that went to Brazil, and I've not been able to find them? So if you're watching in Brazil and your name is Kramer with a C, think of me, okay? How about Carl in Iowa, please? Carl. Hello, Jim. Hello from eastern Iowa. You should yeah. get a medal for all the help you give us young small investors. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, well, you deserve one. My stock is Solar Edge. Oh, we like Solar Edge. We like Solar Edge. Yeah, I mean, look, first of all, uh, we have gotten solar power in this country, so it's cheaper than all other forms. And Solar Edge is one of the reasons. This is a, look, it's a high multiple stock, but it makes real money. I think you've got a winner. It's one of the few that I got to do. I got to call Ben Stoto and put together a new solar package and put Solar Edge in it. Not just Tesla, 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 and then Tesla. David in Washington, David. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. So, Penny, for your thoughts on the QA retail group, tickers QRTA, an e-commerce retailer who owns QVC and Zulily. Yeah. Stocks bounced back more than doubled from the low since March. I wonder, for the current prolonged COVID situation, could this stock have a chance to keep the growth momentum and maybe even outgrow their peers? Well, you know, I'm going to have to look at it. And the reason why I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand is Greg Maffei is the chairman. 
And Greg is a brilliant guy uh, and has done a lot of great things. Uh, so let me do more work on it. I'm going to talk to my friend, buddy, pal, David Faber, who knows Greg Buffet well, and see if I can't get started knowing more about this company than I do right now. All right. Great questions, by the way. And, and the fellow, the Jimmy Dean guy, it's James Dean, and he was in a, a lot of really good movies. That actually, was only in three. Okay, here we go. You know the rodeo. Make sure you know which bull you're riding on. These are some good bulls to ride. Uh, on Man Money Tonight, Papa John's, which has a darn good pizza with only five ingredients, poured a sales surge as more people chomped down on pizza during the lockdown. But the stock still took a tad of a tumble today. Is it prime time to slice out a space for yourself in the stock? I'm sitting down with the top brass. Then Etsy reported a knockout quarter, but the stock could still, uh, it went down a little bit. Could this stock also craft a comeback after just a huge move up? Let's sit down with the CEO and find out. And my exclusive with work from home winner, great yield, maybe TikTok enthusiasts don't know, Verizon. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. We know the pandemic's given a huge boost to anyone in the restaurant industry with a business that's built around delivery. And now I spent a lot of time talking about Domino's. You know, I like that since it was 10 bucks. But since the market bottomed in March, you know what's been the winner? Papa John's. Much better performer. Up 80% since the market bottom on March 23rd. The difference, Papa John's, is a turnaround story. When COVID hit, they were making big investments to improve their digital operations, rolling out popular new menu items, and trying to polish up their image with Shaq as the new face of the company. Unfortunately, after such a huge run, it takes a lot to impress Wall Street. And when Papa John's reported this morning, they delivered a very strong quarter that was still not enough to make uh, the stock rally. Uh, While the headline uh, revenue number was a tad light. I mean, the earnings came much better than expected, up 200% year over year. Most importantly, the same store sales, that's the key metric, were spectacular. North America up 28%, international up 13% when you exclude the temporary closures. Oh, and July's even better, up 30% in North America, nearly 14% international. Uh, Their best international number ever, so the strength is continuing. A lot of this was already baked in because they gave you top-line results at the end of every month. But, man, these are some staggering numbers. This one could have a lot more to go. You got to wonder how much of this business sticks if more independent restaurants, unfortunately, go under while we're waiting for vaccine. So let's dig deep with Rob Lynch, the president and CEO of Papa John's. Find out more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Lynch, welcome to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on the show. Uh, Well, I'm so glad you're here. Maybe you can explain to me how a company can add three million new customers in a very short period of time. You know, our teams have just been coming up with great ideas for new products and our marketing has been on point. Uh, You know, we've been working really hard to create a new equity for our brand. 
You, you mentioned yourself, it's a turnaround story. Our marketing teams have been doing a great job working with Shaq, this big guy right here, um, to bring new ideas to market, and the customers seem to like it. I tell you, we got the Shaq around you right here, and the first thing I asked, and I know everyone was quiet because the answer is I'm not going to be able to get some, is who's getting that pizza after this show? Did, are there any more? I mean, it's great looking. Now, I remember Papa John's. I always took my kids there when they were little. But this is obviously a new Papa John's. And you're doing many things right. You're catching up technologically. But you may be ahead in terms of taste, right? Aren't you? When we analyze taste and simple ingredient, it's Papa John's. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the basis for our whole turnaround is really our food. We believe that we put the best ingredients into every pizza and that delivers the best pizza. So better ingredients, better pizza is our tagline. We try to live up to that every day. We invest a lot in, in the ingredients that go in and the sourcing of those ingredients. So we think it delivers a better pizza. Now the shakaroni is a new thing all into itself. It's the, the crust, the way it's made is completely different than anything we've ever done, but you know, it's Shaq. It's gotta be different. It's gotta be his style. So, uh, the customers like it. We've sold over 2 million already just in the first month, and that's actually generating $2 million in charitable giving that we're going to give back to communities, uh, COVID relief and the fight for racial justice. So really great products, great customer response, but it's doing a lot of great work for our communities as well. Well, I don't know if you remember, I got to meet Shaq when you guys came to the exchange, and he made a point, first he likes this show, which of course then wins me over immediately, but he made the point that he would not have joined you unless you had the right culture and you had a pizza that he loved. You are, he is not an idle spokesperson for Papa John's. No, he's a board member. He owns restaurants. You know, he, he reaches out to me almost every week with ideas on things that we can do, both from a business standpoint, product standpoint, but also how we can improve our culture by giving back to our community. So he's definitely involved. He's a great partner. We love having him on, on the board. We love having him as a spokesperson, and we love, uh, you know, what he's doing for the communities that we're, that we're giving back to. Now, it is your anniversary. Congratulations. You've been here a year, and I, I, the Rob Lynch era will be known for technology, will be known for great taste, will be known for the fact that you're trying to hire a huge number of people at a time when there's a lot of people desperate for work. You know, Jim, it has been a year, which is hard to believe. Um, and it's been a pretty normal year, you know, exactly what I expected when I took the job, a global <laughs> pandemic and, 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 and everything else. But it's been an amazing year. We've made so much progress. And, you know, the thing that really feels great is our plans haven't really changed in the last four or five months since we've been dealing with the pandemic. We actually instituted our strategic priorities back in um, back, you know, in Q4 of last year, Q1 of this year. And we're making a lot of progress. The pandemic just forced us to accelerate all of those initiatives. And, you know, our number one strategic priority is building a culture that believes in diversity and inclusion. And we put a lot of work into that. And that is, frankly, I think, you know, one of our key ingredients of success over the last three or four months. We've got a, a team that believes in what we're doing, feels great about what we're doing, despite having to work remotely, which is a whole new operating model for us. Everyone feels connected and is given all they can to deliver these great results. All right, well, one of the reasons why I feel it's not done is because when I looked over the facts coming into the, the uh, session tonight, I was surprised that it's a big three. Yes, we know there's Domino's, there's Pizza Hut, but Papa John's has far more room to be able to put up new stores both here and around the world. I mean, that's what we're really excited about, Jim. And we talked a lot about it on the earnings call today. Development, new store development is a huge platform for growth for us. We have about half as many restaurants domestically as our two largest competitors. 
and even less than that as a percentage internationally. So a lot of white space. And there's a lot of excitement right now around getting into the pizza business. It's, it's proven to be, you know, almost a pandemic-proof type of business. And as this thing continues to, to, to prolong and, and, and across the globe, we have a lot of excitement internationally about uh, from franchisee, prospective franchisees who want to come in and pick up our brand that complements the concepts they already operate. And you, you should talk to me about uh, real estate. It's a time there could have been, if you came in a, a year ago, you would have paid up and you would have bad re- uh, ROI. Now you say we haven't necessarily seen the shakeout from the pandemic yet, but there will be real estate becomes available that wasn't available before, and it's going to be at better rates. So the margin is going to be even better than they are right now. Yeah, you know, we hope so. Um, we hope that there's opportunities for us to continue to, to serve communities. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate uh, that there's going to be some shakeouts and fallout from the pandemic, uh, but it does provide opportunities for people who are looking to grow for concepts that are still want to grow. And we think we're going to be able to come in and serve those communities. Um, what can you do about about the companies that that go under because of the pandemic and they don't have the balance sheet? I mean, you're a considered guy. You know that this, this that we can't let this happen in our country, uh, particularly among minority business people. And Yet it just seems like it's become somewhat inevitable because of the pandemic. What, what can someone in Papa John's, you know, you've got, you've got a business to run. You can't just go give money to competitors that are smaller. But in a way, you kind of have to. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to do our part uh, by taking care of the employees that are displaced. You know, we've hired over 20,000 new employees mm-hmm. in the last four months. And we just, we're, we just put out, an, you know, a notice that we're trying to hire 10,000 more. And we're not just hiring them. We're trying to take good care of them. We've increased our health care benefits. We're offering telehealth to every one of our employees um, and their families. And, you know, we've just increased our our online college benefit and brought on two new universities to try to help um, displaced employees that, you know, might have planned on going to college and now with all the challenges that they're facing aren't able to. So we're trying to do our part to take care of the communities by taking care of the people in those communities. No, that, that is the right way. That is the thing that you can do best and help the most people. Rob Lynch, congratulations on your first year. Yep, I know we had a pandemic. All right, so what can you do? It's probably your first one. It looks like it was your first one. Rob Lynch, president of his first one. one. All right. The symbol is PZZA, very easy to remember. And the stock is a winner. Man, money's back in for the first. When a stock runs too much going into earnings, it's almost guaranteed to do a little sell-off. Sell, sell, sell. Even in the wake of a spectacular quarter. Look at Etsy, the huge marketplace, Brooklyn's own, for handcrafted goods that helps connect small businesses with customers all over the world. This company's a fabulous play on the stay-at-home economy, which is one of the reasons why its stock's unstoppable. Others, because it's got great new technology, unstoppable until today. See, last night, Etsy reported an astounding quarter, just a huge beat. Gross merchandise sales, their total volume up 145%. Revenue up 137%. Earnings coming in at the near, nearly double the level Wall Street was expecting. Active buyers up 41%. Active sellers up 35%. Even better, management told us these trends were consistent throughout the quarter, and they've continued at roughly the same price through July. Wow. While the company still hasn't provided a full-year broadcast, their forecast, their guidance for the next quarter was a thing of beauty. Yet the stock still got hit. It fell nearly 5 bucks or 3.5%. Why? It's not about the quarter. The quarter was borderline perfect. It's about the stock. From the March lows to late July, 
the stock surged from under 30 to over 100. Then in just over one week, it shot up to 135. The darn thing's still up more than 12 bucks this week alone. Today's sell-off is simply what happens when the stock comes in too hot, even if the company delivers one of the best quarters of 2020. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Josh Silverman. He is the bankable president and CEO of Etsy. Get a better read on the quarter and where the company's headed. Mr. Silverman, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks very much for having me. Well, Josh, I got to tell you, you have a line in this uh, in your conference call that I absolutely love, which is unfortunately in a pandemic, everyone's habits are up for grabs. That's what I've been looking for. And you said it. And that's one of the reasons why Etsy had an amazing quarter. Yeah. First, Jim, can I say that uh, I just want to thank you because you've been a believer in Etsy since I joined the company three years ago and even before. So when our stock was at $10 a share, you were telling everyone that Etsy's got a huge opportunity and that they should pay attention. And I'm grateful that you've believed in us all along. And this period of time has really shown the world that there is a huge opportunity for Etsy. Thank you, Josh. From the day that my daughter sold pillows, to the fact that we bought almost everything at our restaurant from Etsy, to the fact that you're down the block from me, I have been a believer, and you have taken this company to levels that I never thought could happen. So thank you. Thank you for everybody. You've been a believer from the beginning, and I am grateful for that. But, you know, the, the truth is, for almost anything you need, Etsy has something great for you, sold directly by the person who made it and made just for you. The challenge we have is being top of mind. So you think of us in that moment because purchases are so habit-driven. But in this moment, before you buy anything, you've got to pause for a second and say, who's open? Who could actually ship this to me? And that's where we win. If we get you to pause for just a second, you're going to think of Etsy. And the great news is that when you go and you buy on Etsy, our customers are so delighted by the product, by the quality of the product, by the communication with the seller, by the handwritten note they get from the seller, by the fact that they're supporting another small business. There's so much to love. And so this is a moment when we have a chance to win the loyalty of millions of people, and we're working so hard to do that. I hope people know that there are millions of companies around the world that are trying to develop what we, we call person, uh, personification. They're trying to be personal. I, when we work with you, you are so right. We always get that letter, and they always have other ideas for us. And it's not algorithmic. It's yeah. personal. And that is distinguished from everybody else in this world. Our mission is keeping commerce human. When you, you, you might have bought something nice from a department store, but did they send you a handwritten note? No. Did they tell you why they made it the way they made it? Were they willing to customize and personalize it just for your needs? That's the kind of thing that Etsy can do. And Etsy sellers do it in huge categories. So if we look at where all of those sales happened, $2.7 billion of of sales this quarter. But look at the, the size of the categories. So home furnishings was yet again our biggest category. Etsy sellers sold more than $2 billion worth of home decor and home furnishings over the last 12 months, and that was up over 125% year over year in the second quarter. If you look at jewelry, uh, Etsy sellers have sold about $1.2 
billion dollars of jewelry over the past 12 months, and that was up 50% year over year. If you look at apparel, Etsy sellers sold about $775 million of apparel in the last 12 months, and that was up almost 60% year over year. These are massive categories, and Etsy's growing faster than, than the market leader in, in, in each of them. Well, I, 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 I have to still, I'd be remiss not to, since many people in our office do go to you, to get great looking masks. And that matters. We're very pro mask. And you were the first company to embrace the concept as opposed to say that's hideous. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Vogue magazine said it may not be a fashion statement, but it does take up a lot of real estate on your face. <laughs> so, you know, you want it to look nice and you want it to show a sense of style. Let's lean into that. And on Etsy, we've got 112 thousand different sellers selling masks. You can certainly find something that really speaks to you. And by the way, when you do that, you're not taking PPE away from a, a hospital or first responder right. who needs it. And you're supporting a small business. So there's a lot to feel great about. Now, one of the things that people said, there was a time when you first came in, you said, while you were doing and making all these great changes, and of course, including seeing what other people, what they've done that you might want to buy, which I also love that feature. You also said to me, Jim, before we even get to get the stuff straight, we got to get the ethos straight. We got to get the philosophy straight. We got to get what's being good to people and to the environment straight. Did that hurt your business? I am so glad you talked about that, Jim, and it was actually the first slide of our earnings presentation is let's talk about corporate citizenship. And we've applied the same focus and accountability to our citizenship that we have to every other part of our business. And by being a great citizen, it makes us an even better business. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we picked three areas where we believe we can really shine in corporate social responsibility, and that's economic empowerment diversity and inclusion, and environmental sustainability. And then we publish targets so that the world can hold us accountable, and we hire outside auditors to audit the progress we've made. For example, on diversity and inclusion, we said we're going to roughly double the percentage of our employees that, that are black or Hispanic uh, over the next few years. And last year, we doubled the percentage of new employees who, who uh, identified as black or Hispanic. This year, about 17% of our new hires identify as black or Hispanic. We said we're going to get to be zero carbon. We're going to be entirely carbon neutral. And last year, we actually achieved that goal ahead of schedule. And I think people now, they want to shop where their heart is. And so I think they care. It makes a difference. And we do believe that the great financial results we're delivering are part and parcel with the fact that we're a good citizen. I think that's totally right. And it's it just... It, it, it is so great. I am so tired of hearing people saying, you know, we're willing to sacrifice some earnings in order to do good. No, it's do do good and you do better. Josh Silverman, president and CEO of Etsy. Great to see you, sir. Thank you for the kind words about us, too. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Man Money's back here to the break. With the major averages either making new highs or with inspiration, a spitting distance of their old ones. Is there any room in your portfolio for some safety stocks? Take Verizon, which is one of my favorite defensive plays since the beginning of the show, with an unassailable wireless business and a bountiful 4.25% yield. When we assembled the Kramer COVID-19 index in April, we included Verizon because this is what you traditionally want to own in a slowdown. Three and a half months later, the stock's basically flat. 
But I got to tell you, you know, if I do it all over again, I'd still include Verizon in that index. You need some safety in your portfolios and insurance policy in case the stimulus talks fall apart or tomorrow's employment report disappoints or the new trade war with China intensifies or we have some bad news on the vaccine front. We know Verizon's doing well. They just reported a really strong quarter late last month. And 5G, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, could be huge for them. More importantly, they have their finger in the pulse of both corporate America and the American consumer. So let's check in with Hans Vestberg. He's the chairman and CEO of Verizon Communications to get a better sense of his business and the broader economy. Mr. Vesberg, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be here, Jim. I hope you're fine. Oh, we're doing okay. Thanks, Hans. Now, we got to talk about stuff that is a little arcane for some people, but they don't realize how important it will be for them. We're going to talk about mobile edge compute and 5G. Why does this matter to me? I've got my cell phone. I'm pretty happy. Why do I need this? That's a great question, but uh, to, to really explain it is that we are bringing now the cloud capabilities, processing uh, and storage and all of that to the edge of the wireless network together with Amazon. And what that means is that you can have super low latency in order to do transactions, if it's sports events or manufacturing plants, or it could be uh, other things that really need lo- low latency. So that's what we're created with the uh, uh, Amazon, we have launched now two sites with Amazon, and we're going to have 10 by ERM, basically covering the main part of the country. Today, we have the Boston area and the Bay Area covered with these two sites that we're announcing today. And developers can just move into the Amazon cloud and say, I want to develop on the 5G cloud. And then they do applications that uh, need low latency, uh, could be mixed reality, virtual reality, and a lot of innovation that I believe that the developers will bring to the table. So it's the world's first. I mean, nobody else in the world has been. Okay, well, a lot of that is for enterprise. Will the individual be impacted? The individual who wants a Netflix movie, an Amazon movie, and wants to download it really quickly, or an individual who still gets the blue dot, the circle. I put on Netflix last night, and we all know I'm with my daughter, and we say, okay, well, listen, we'll watch the red circle for a while, and we'll go get some candy, and we'll come back, and if it's still on, maybe we'll turn it off, and we'll turn it on again, and, and we, have, we have Verizon, and I just presume that's just the way life has to be, but that's not the way it has to be, Correct. No, I think uh, consumers going to enjoy this as well. But initially, of course, it's a lot about scaling next, next generation business to business applications. But definitely it's business to business to consumer as well. We see gaming companies coming in and start developing applications that requires low latency, a lot of bandwidth on the phone uh, or, and on the wireless network. So definitely. And to your question about uh, uh, consuming video, etc. With our ultra-wideband, our 5G ultra-wideband, we basically are limitless on, on, on spectrum. So, so we can give you enormous throughput and speeds and, of course, low latency as well as a consumer of, of, of 5G mobility. So all, all that is just about to explode right now here in the United States. And Verizon, of course, is in the lead here. Now, I would have to believe that your tie-up with Disney Plus means that some of the really cool things that Disney's doing at home, which is actually, by the way, saving the company, are just going to get better and better. I think uh, what we have developed in our strategy and the different vectors of growth we have, one of those vectors is uh, customer differentiation uh, and consumer differentiation. And our partnership with Disney, for example, or with Apple Music are exclusive, and we are using our brand and our distribution 
uh, and uh, on our network. And that's why these uh, top brands are joining us. And of course, we have more in the pipe that we can do with these these companies. So, uh, and Amazon is another one which we're working exclusively with. All right. So now you have a Verizon media division. I have many friends who work there or have worked there, including Yahoo and Yahoo Finance, where I have a huge number of friends and it's fantastic. Uh, Can it apply to that? Because in your conference call, it doesn't really get mentioned. And yet we still, a lot of us still go to Yahoo all the time. Yeah. I would say all our online services, Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Finance, Yahoo News, have done extremely well in this uh, pandemic. You know, we have more daily users and monthly users than ever. So we're just adding there. The, the advertising, uh, as you know, that has come down, our digital advertising, even though we saw right. an improvement in, in June. But ultimately, we also are creating the next generation content. And uh, we're using all VR, AR capabilities for thinking about how news will look in the future, how sports will look in the future. Uh, etc. And probably finance as well with more real-time information. So, yes, there are use cases for all of those online applications that we have in-house in Verizon Media Group. Well, I have to tell you one obvious one that people have said to me, Verizon could never do it. And I said, you don't know Hans. Hans is from technology, okay? He's a technologist. He worked at Ericsson. Then he's been the CTO. He's not from the sales side. He's not a telephone lineman. He is not a lawyer. And you could take TikTok and you put that with Verizon Media and you become a growth company. ATT tried it, but they got a bad balance sheet. You've got a great balance sheet. Why should Microsoft get this and not Verizon? First of all, I'm happy you mentioned our balance sheet. We have done a terrific job on it. We're back to the credit metrics metrics that we had pre-Vodafone acquisition. So that, that we're really happy about. I think that when it comes to user-generated content, we decided that should not be part of our portfolio. We divested Tumblr last year. We didn't think that that is fitting into the way we want to run our business. So I guess that is excluding TikTok as well. Uh, so uh, uh, not really interested in TikTok. We have our four, five growth vectors, and all of them are coming into play the next 12 months. If it's 5D mobility, 5D home, the next generation 5D mobile edge compute, or network service monetization with the MVNOs that is on our network. So we have our growth vectors, and we have changed the structure of the company. We have a new team. Uh, we have uh, definitely a network that is flawless. So we're really excited for the next 12 months uh, of this company right now because we are preparing for this for a long time. All right, one last question. I'm not going to be able to go to a football game, the NFL. They're not going to let me. I've been a season ticket holder for three decades. Will it matter? Will 5G make it so that I can have an enjoyable experience watching a football game and actually get more and watch more angles than if I were at the game? I'll just tell you, stay tuned. I think you're going to enjoy it even though you cannot be in the stadium. I cannot tell you, but I, I, I assume that Verizon is working deeply with NFL to come up with some really cool stuff for the season opening. But I have to be quiet on it right now, but don't be too worried. The season will start and it will be a great experience, but not from the stadium, more from the sofa. All right. Well, I'll take it because I'm pretty depressed about not being able to go to the stadium. But if you can make it a good experience, I'm thrilled. That's Hans Vestberg. He is a technologist, people, and also chairman and CEO of Verizon. Always great to see you, sir. Man Money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! Come on, so Rob Cars, one another, sit and sit, bye bye bye, sit and 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 bye bye bye,
and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy! It's time for the lightning round, Kendra Money. I'm going to start with Atik in New York. Atik! Booyah, Jim. Atik here from Brooklyn. Longtime fan. Yes! My hood! What's up? <laughs> yeah, so stock is data dog. Great Q1, tripled uh, price from March lows. Uh, just reported a Q2 earnings. The stock's almost down 20% after hours. Yeah, I am I barking up the wrong tree? What do you say? This is this takes my my breath away because they delivered incredible numbers. So obviously it's something they said on the conference call because I think Datadog is a fantastic company. So I can't just look at the headlines and can't just do it. Uh, give you a quick analysis. I've got to take the conference call home tonight and find out more. But wow, they are pancaking even though they did do beat the numbers. Let's go to Sam in Massachusetts. Sam. Thank you, Jimmy Kramer. Quick Yo. shout out to the Action Alert Plus Club team. Okay. Jim, the right, uh, the recent moves by Alonco Animal Health make them a good investment? You know, they just bought, I think, stole this buyer animal health business, and I think the stock could go up. Now, I've been too bullish on these guys, because I, I, I happen to like everything in uh, everything in pet world. But I think Alonco just got a big boost with that buyer. Uh, Zoetis, by the way, another great quarter. Congratulations to Ms. Beck. Let's go to John in Ohio. John. Jim, first-time caller. Love your show and appreciate your advice. Thank you. Want to know? Want to know your opinion on the Andersons? They're an agricultural company, but they're in commodity trading, nutrients. They have ethanol I production. Think it's too, I think the magnificent wheat. Andersons is too hard. I think that what you want to do uh, is, if you're going to be in that group, you want to be in agco or deer, uh, and not a, and not on this end. Not so, this end is not so good. I'm sorry. How about we go to Will in Vermont? Will. Hey Jim, thanks for taking my call. I'm a of big course. Fan. Uh, anyway, before I was sent home from school this past semester, my friends and I would collect and return cans and bottles every Friday to get some money to invest. Yeah. And I'm thinking about putting some of it in Virgin Galactic. What do you think? Well, you got to take a 10-year view on that. And I know that may sound uh, just, uh, let's say, dubious to some, but it is. It's going to be a 10-year, uh, 10-year run, and I don't have that much time, but you might. So that's my take. Let's go to Wes in Minnesota. Wes. Hey, Booyah, Jim. How you doing today? Wes. This is just a fantastic day, frankly, because I got my kids with me. What's going on? Oh, that's awesome. Good to hear it. Uh, yeah, so I've got a question about what's going on in the beverage industry right now, specifically with uh, beer. The uh, thing is, you know, beverage consumption is moving from on-premise to retail, and manufacturers are ramping up their uh, canning lines to meet demand. I wanted to get your opinion on Alcoa Corp. Uh, no, the Alcoa is just too much. They, they, no, I, I, no. You want... Stop it. You want Ball Corp, B-L-L. That's the way to make money, okay? That's the one you want to go to, not Alcoa. Let's go to Jacob in Louisiana. Jacob. Booyah, Kramer from Lake Charles, Louisiana. All right. I wanted to ask you your opinion on the only profitable food delivery company on the market, which is Waiter Holdings, W-T-R-H. Is it a buy? That's from Lake Charles, Louisiana. I don't know the answer. Um, it makes me want to watch the movie Southern Comfort again, though. I have to find out. I have to find out more about that company. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. When the market gets emotional like it is now, you got to take a step back, consult the charts. 
it's too easy to get wrapped up in your feelings about what should, should or shouldn't be happening. So sometimes you need to remove yourself from the equation entirely. Go with a more quantitative approach. That's why a little over a month ago, just as it was becoming clear that the new outbreak in the Sun Belt had gotten very ugly, we didn't know what to do. We, it's emotional time. We checked in with Carolyn Baroden. She's that brilliant technician who runs the FibonacciQueen.com website. Also, happens to be one of my colleagues at RealMoney.com, and she told a pretty compelling bullish story. First, Broden pointed out the NASDAQ 100, the 100 largest non-financial companies in the NASDAQ comp, could have a lot more room to run. Not a little bit, but a lot. She told us that if this tech-heavy index just tacked on another 200 or 300 points, there might be 1,000 more points of upside on top of that. At the time, it was at 10,200. Now it's at 11,200. Talk about a terrific call. She absolutely nailed the tech rally over the past five-odd weeks, even as so many people are like, it can't continue, it can't continue, or it's propped up by the Fed. Take the money and run. That's actually from Steve Miller. As for the S&P 500, we'll take a look at this weekly chart. Broden explained that the S&P was facing a major hurdle at 3,238. It hadn't been able to clear that hurdle yet at the time. But if it happened, she said she predicted a major move higher. Since then, that hurdle has been cleared, and the next level at the key level is 3,398. That would represent a 100% projection of a previous major swing. Longer term, if the S&P can keep jumping over these obstacles, Broden's long-term target that she gave us a long time ago is going to happen, 3720. And if somehow we blow through that level, maybe even 4136, at that point, we'd be much, much higher than where we were before the pandemic hit. That said, there's no guarantee we break through that 3398 ceiling, which would put us in new all-time high territory. The Fibonacci queen's concerned that the market's gotten a bit overextended at this point. Although if we get a pullback, hey, you know what? She still says to use it as a buying opportunity. What would change your mind? Okay, Broden's got a very straightforward buy trigger. She looks at the daily chart and watches two moving averages. The five-day, which is blue, that's the exponential moving average, and the 13-day exponential moving average, which is in red. When the five goes above the 13, okay, five goes above the 13, it feels, she says, it's safe to buy. Because it means the trajectory is improving. When the five goes below the 13, that's a warning of a possible downside correction. For now, though, Broden's favorite signal remains in buy mode. All right, how about the incredible run in the NASDAQ 100 that so many poo-poo and tell me shouldn't be and this is that and Fang's dead and all that other nonsense. Check out the weekly chart. Broden's Fibonacci-based methodology gave her an initial uh, price target of 10542 That's off the March lows. That was the hurdle we needed to clear the last time we highlighted her work. We've since blown through that level, which means the next stop could be 11568 Bro- Remember, Broden looks at past swings and runs them through the prism of Fibonacci ratios to find key areas. Look, for some bizarre reason, the stock market often follows the same patterns that define snail shells and pine cones. I kid you not. So Broden's still bullish in the NASDAQ 100, but it's up 9.5% since we last spoke. And she thinks she might want to ring the register on part, not all, on part of your position here, which is what we've been doing for ActionLargePlus.com. I think that's a club. I think she's got a point. You have to be disciplined with your winners. Bulls make money, bears make money, and we know hogs get slaughtered. Look, the pandemic's still raging. And the longer we go without a new stimulus package from Washington, the more worried I'm going to get about the economy. I don't know about you. But, and this is a very big but, the charts as interpreted by Carolyn Broden suggest that this market could have some more room to run, perhaps because of a vaccine or an antiviral. Just watch these key levels and watch the 5 and 13 day exponential moving averages. These unemotional indicators can help give you the directions you need to ride the bull and avoid the bear. Stick with Kramer.
as I've been telling you, sometimes the market gets it wrong. And when Teladoc decided to merge with Livongo, initially the market didn't like it. That was wrong. This is a stars born situation. You can buy this one and put it away. It's the first tech med play that I like. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you next time. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.